You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show on 710-KURV. Here's Sergio. Let's go to local items. It's good to see a friend in the studio. Come up to the microphone. And our former police chief for the city of Far, Andy Harvey. Good day, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Sergio. Yeah. I'm well. Thank you. Dude, so you... Look, I've heard before in other cities where, you know, they lose the city manager and the police chief. For some reason, can you answer me this? Why is it that, because I've heard this before, like in other cities, why is it that when the city manager isn't there, they call on the police chief? Is it part of the resume that maybe they did some, why no, did they ask the police chief to be the city manager? You know, I think uh, I think a lot of it has to do, Sergio, with the fact that as a police chief, you know, you... Uh, you talk to a lot of people. You have to deal with elected officials. You uh, you deal with a lot of same personnel issues and, and deal with the community. So I think that's part of it because it kind it kind of uh, prepares you for for that role in, in in many ways. So so perhaps that is one of the reasons that a lot of police chiefs end up being city managers. Okay, you're dealing with budgets. You're dealing with personnel well, issues. Well, well that, now that's another world, right? The okay. budget and all that. That's another world. Yeah. But uh, but the, the the relationship part of it, the personnel part of it. Uh, I think that that takes up most managing of the time. a big department, which is usually PD. Yeah, you can yeah. help out with FD or any other that's right. inner workings that's right. at, at City Hall. Well, um, I don't know what happened at City Hall. Maybe you can give me a little backstory. Uh, city manager changed. They gave you the city manager gig, and um, so take take it from there. What what happened? Were they wanted <laughs> giving you both, and now. You're going to do something else with your life. You, you know what, Sergio, and, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, By the way, I've been on your show several times. Remember yeah. when I was we in appreciate Dallas it. Well, so I yes, finally, absolutely. I finally get to see your face. Well, uh, which is the reason I was so happy <laughs> that you were you came down here because we used to have Andy on the program, uh, our former chief for far, as a police specialist from North Texas, talking yeah. about all sorts of. We became. Uh, phone friends, yeah, uh, BLM, and all the remember all that <laughs> yeah, stuff. No, oh my, that, yeah. all that craziness. Yeah. Uh, he would provide, um, he would provide analysis on yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. and when you came down here, I was really happy. But now, there you go, man. Well, Where are you going? You know, things happen, right? Yeah. Um, listen, I, I was uh, I was asked to uh, I was police chief. I was happy being a police chief. I was asked if I wanted to be the uh, city manager in the time that they needed some change. And uh, I said, yeah, let's go. We know, uh, you know, wherever, wherever they, they need me, I'm, I'm going to be there. And so, uh, so I, I took the role as city manager. Uh, you know, so several months in, I, I you know, things, l- let me just say like this. Uh, I felt like a square peg in a round hole over <laughs> there. Uh, I, I'll be honest. And, uh, you know, so it just didn't work out the way I think both of us thought it would, it would work out. Uh, you when know, you say I, both of them, you talking about the mayor? Well, or? sure, sure, sure. Okay. The mayor, the the the, uh, the commission. Okay. And I mean, because the city manager, you know, reports directly to them. Yeah. And uh, it it just became evident that it was not going to work out the way we both thought it was it was going to work out. Uh, I, I, no, I think my style of leadership is a little different than what they expected, and that's not no, nothing bad. It's just uh, it, it is what it is, and um, you know, I'm always going to stay true to myself, Sergio, and um, and and so so I know that being there and we both knew that was just not going to work and so that that's you know in a nutshell that's you know there were other factors but basically it, it, it really comes down to that you want to stay in law enforcement man you know what Sergio I love policing uh, this is a challenging time in policing we need strong leaders you know to step up and and uh, take charge and especially during these times so my heart is there uh, but I've been doing policing for a long time, and, and uh, so I'm not sure if I'm going to stay in policing or in law enforcement. We'll see. 
Okay. How many years have you been doing law enforcement in Texas? 27 years. All in Texas, right? All in Texas. In North Texas. Yeah. The last six, six, six years or so, I've been a police chief. Okay. So you yeah. socked away, you know, like a good state public servant employee, you socked away enough where maybe you can look at it and say, you know what, I think I'm going to go fish for a few years. You know, I, I, I retired from the Dallas Police Department. I, I've also retired from the military. And so, oh, that's right. Uh, you know, you, you wouldn't. That. I'm about yeah. 76 years old, just so you know. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I, I'm good. Yeah. Thanks to God, but uh, you know I'm a free agent, so it's kind of exciting, also, right? To yeah. to see you know what else is out there. Let let's see, maybe the private sector. I don't know. Maybe come hanging out with you here. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not. Well, no, no, I just I don't I don't want to discourage you. It's just it's like missionary work, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of volunteer stuff. <laughs> I understand. And if you yeah. thought you were juggling too many, you know, yeah. positions, well, let me look at producer Freddie over here. Let's see. So running the audio, running the video, running online, running yeah. the network stuff, running the sports, running okay, the morning, running. Oh, right. So it's, well, it's it's a lot. That's too much. Of, so it's not just coming here and sitting down and talking. No. Oh, okay, okay. There's more. Wearing okay. a lot of hats. Yeah. We make it look easy. Yeah. But it's it's not. Especially yeah. thanks to Freddie, uh, we, we do good. Former police um, uh, chief from the city of Far, Andy Harvey, is in the studio. And um, he's no longer chief and uh, no longer city manager first, no longer chief and uh, trying to figure out what, what's going to be next. Well, thank you, chief, for two successful years at FAR. Uh, the, the highlight, I think, is in a time when, you know, the defund the police battle cry from the crazy left and the genuine concerns behind all of that, which was we don't necessarily need a police officer and he's... He, she, they need to be aggressive to a certain degree to protect themselves and the people around them when they respond to a situation. But it's a, it's a head case they're dealing with. It's a mental case. We need to approach things different. And you brought that to the FAR Police Department. Let's review that for me real quick. You know, I'm very proud uh, of, of the work that the mental health unit did or is doing still at the FAR Police Department. You know, and policing, that, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, when you see something on TV and usually it's an excessive force type you know, situation, a lot of times it's people in crisis. And so how do yeah. we do that in policing? And, and people call us and they expect the police to deal with this. And it's not only a police issue. This is a social issue and it's a community issue. And so we know that we need to collaborate and partner with with uh, with other agencies in order to provide the best service. We are not the you know panacea of all you know of, of people in crisis. We're there as a first responder. But but what do we do with them after we you know we um, you know we, we show up? We we have to give them the help that they need, the resources that they need. And I'll tell you where the power is, Sergio. Not just responding when they're in crisis, but doing the follow-ups like, like, like the officers are doing. They, they go check on them. They build relationships. They build trust and confidence. It got to the point, as a matter of fact, it is now, where people call uh, our mental health officers directly. They don't even call 911 because they know them and they trust them. And that's where the power is right there. How does it work, Chief? How the does, mental health unit. How does it work? How many people you have? How does it work? Like in a standard situation when you respond to, you know, how it, yeah. is. it could be somebody who's just went through a broken relationship, yeah. super drunk, very violent, just wants to die by cop, for example. Yeah. Or it could be somebody who has mental health issues for many years well, and just well, yeah, violent. Yeah. No, no, it, it's not easy. That, that's, yeah. that's for sure. But we have four officers that are highly trained, and we also have an embedded clinician. Actual police officers. Yeah, actual With special training. Officer, special training. Yeah. Above and beyond what the state requires. But, but it's also, uh, we have an embedded clinician from, from Tropical 
behavioral. Okay. That that's the uniqueness of, of the mental health unit is that we have a somebody who's also aware. Can and, I press and, the pause button real quick? Yeah. One person from tropical, four police officers with special training. Now I can see where you can fill the clock to have one on the clock ready to respond for in a situation at one o'clock in the morning. But is that person from tropical on call twenty four hours a day where we got a situation. Let me send you the video. What's going on here? Help us out here. If it gets to that point, they are okay. available. Right. Yeah. But, you know, we try not to bother them at 1 o'clock in the morning. But, however, you know, things happen. And so, but, but, but you know what? These guys are so good. And, and I say guys, of course, you know, guys and girls. But they're so good at what they do and so passionate about it. I think that's the other part, too, right? You just don't put a, you know, an officer just, you know, hey, you're next. This is a priority. And this is about having the right officers, the right mindset and heart set. Uh, in order to do this work, because it is God's work, and it's hard. Yeah. And uh, so you have the right people in there, and uh, again, right, you have the right people and the right training and the right partnerships. It really it really makes a difference. Former police chief, City Afar, who has exited that position, Andy Harvey, in the studio here at 710KURV on the Sergio Show. As far as you know, Chief, this the mental health unit has – did you receive a call from other police chiefs in the area or anyone else for that man text? Hey. Uh, how'd you do it? How do we copy paste? Yes, that? yes, and that's the, that's that's really that's something we're very proud of as well. We're there to help other agencies. I say we, the far you know mental unit. But yes, uh, other agencies have began s- something similar, and you know every city is a little different. They have to tailor it to what works for them. But yes, we have they have a mon- monthly alliance meeting that you know that gets people together from agencies, from behavioral centers, from nonprofits to police agencies and we talk about mental health issues and how we can be better working together so uh, yes it is growing and and that's a great thing to see all right did you i'm running out of time here let me tim thank you for the tweet on this listen and and i I suspect tim may want to use some of this audio is tim back here behind you tim if you want on to ask the chief something on the we have the recording and you might need it for the news report come on over brother um and uh, let's let's get that uh, on air uh Former police chief for the city of Farm, Andy Harvey, my guest in studio. Did you model uh, your program, the the the, the health unit, uh, the mental health unit? Did you model it after s- somebody else, or were you first in the nation when you did something? No, like I'm not first in the nation. I mean, there are others that, that have done something similar, but we had to tailor it to what works for us. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's say our, our mayor, and I lovingly say this. I always joke around. With, I wish I had him more on the radio. Uh, Ambrosio. I dig his name. I love his name. It's the most beautiful name as far as politics. Ambrosio. <laughs> Let's say, hey, man, I heard you on the radio. You know, I've been thinking about it. Hey, come on back. Andy, come back. And he starts saying, da 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 yeah. If he calls you back, would you go back? No. No? Right. Think about it again? Nope. No, okay. Nope. And, and it's not it's not because of the people. The great people of FAR and the city is just amazing. They're, they're amazing people to work with, and it's a privilege to be with them. But uh, it's just, listen, if it's not the right fit, it's not the right fit. That's just the way it is. And so it's time to move forward. You can see in, in the valley season. You can see in the valley. We'll see, Sergio. You know, we'll see. You know, there's some, you know, people are people are calling me left and right about different things. Some even say, you know, go into politics. I'm like, what? You know, I don't know about politics, but... Um, but, you know, certainly there's some opportunity. So we'll see. Any regrets, projects left undone in at the FAR Police Department that you would love to see come to fruition? Well, sure. I mean, you know, there's so many things that, that we've started. But, you know, you know what I feel good about is that uh, we have the people in place. One thing I started from day one is developing the people that were next in line, have a succession, line, uh, a succession plan in place. 
And we have people there that, that know and get it, right? And so they're going to continue with the good work that we're doing, I have no doubt. And I expect them to make it better. So not just keep it, you know, maintain it. I expect them to make it better. And I think they're going to do that. What was the last census of police officers in the city of Far? Far is about 100,000 people already. So Yeah, so we have 150 officers. Is, it, it is that enough? Uh, it's enough for, for now. Okay. It's enough for now. But, you know, if you want more resources and you want, they're, eventually they're going to have to grow even more. Okay. Because you can look at, like, Mission, about the same size, yeah. 100, 100K. Yeah, I think they have uh, about Edinburgh, 170. About the same. I think yeah. they have about 170. But, okay. Yeah. But it's expensive now. But uh, but if, if you want the right uh, resources and the best resources, you have to invest in that. So hopefully they will. Okay. And, and parting words. Uh, wishing them success. What does the FAR PD need to do? You know, I talked to them. You know, uh, you know, just yesterday, and I told them I, that I love them very much, and uh, I, I was a pleasure and honor being their police chief, and and uh, I'll always be rooting for them, and I expect them to do greater things. And uh, you know, like I said, I just I'm so proud to be their their police chief. But you know, it's a new season, and it's time to move on. But I'll always be here for them. All right, brother. Uh, Lord willing. We'll give you another call in your future when I need to pick your brain about something. You or maybe you can tell us what's going on. Of course. In the law enforcement. Thank you, Chief. Thank you, Sergio. Our uh, former police chief for the city of Far, Andy Harvey, in studio here on the Sergio Show, 710KURV. This is the Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids are running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Back in January, uh, Brookings Institution report, their estimate was that the labor shortage, you know how we have help wanted signs all over the place at retail, restaurants, all these places have help wanted signs everywhere, right? That the long COVID conditions caused 15 percent probably probably caused 15 percent of the country's labor shortage well somebody who knows a lot about labor was at one time the uh, tip of the spear over at darden restaurants you know that famous name in restaurants those chains john fadool is my guess well if long covid and conditions you know from covid and fear and all that did lead to all this john because of economic changes of late you know that was january Right now, things yeah. are different. We got companies; they're trimming the fat, removing help wanted signs all over the place. Do you think we might be stabilizing in the job market now that things are slowing down in the economy? Yeah, you know, I think it really, you know, depends, you know, on the industry. I can tell you from a restaurant standpoint that we're not stable yet. You know, uh, we still have a, a ton of rest, you know, uh, labor shortages. I'm, I'm sure you're still going to restaurants. You see the help weighted signs. Mm-hmm. Now, how many times have you gone into a restaurant and seen empty seats? And yet, you know, they're not ready to take you. So the, the labor uh, shortage is still taking a big toll on restaurants. How much of a recession of an economic slowdown for how long do you think we need? So we, f- we finally even out, you know, for example, we got 11 or had, that is, 11 minute job openings. We had people jump and shift from job to job by the, to the tune of about 4 million people, about 3, 4 percent of the workforce out there. 
those those crazy numbers are, are not sustainable. So how long do you think we need to slow things down? How many jobs do we need to remove in order to get back to what was normal as far as jobs available and people transitioning from jobs to jobs? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I wish I knew the, the exact answer to that, but I think it's gonna it's still going to take some time. You know, I think um, there's still some people, I think, that are sitting on the sidelines for, for a number of reasons. Uh, and I think there's things, and like, like I said, I, I, I know restaurants, uh, that restaurants can do to attract and retain employees. Uh, you know, that industry has always, you know, struggled with high turnover, and it's just gotten a ton worse with COVID, you know, for a number of reasons. You know, people, you know, you know looking for better pay, better working conditions. They're worried about getting sick. You, the, you think about, you know, child care is a big issue for a lot of people in the restaurant industry. So those are things that I think need to get resolved before we see things being stabilized. John Fadul was the leader of Darden Restaurants. I had to go back. I know I know Olive Garden was one of them, and so was um, yes, all, uh, Red Olive Lobster. Garden, Longhorn Steakhouse. Yeah, there we go. So you've got Olive Garden, Longhorn. You've got, you've got Cheddar's. Okay, those are our three biggest ones. And then you've got things like Season 52, Yard House, Bahama Breeze, Capitol Grill, and Eddie V's. Texas Roadhouse, is that, was that yours as well over at Darden? It, was, it is not. It's a competitor. Okay. Uh, Longhorn Steakhouse. When were you chief? When were you CEO over at uh, Darden, John? I was actually president of Bahama Breeze okay. uh, in uh, August of 2000, I guess, 20. Yep. Okay, so also oh, you went through the, the COVID, the initial days of COVID. You saw oh, all, absolutely all the absolutely, shutdown. Absolutely, yes. Okay, um, any changes on the front lines like bonuses, um, increase in pay, uh, other things that you know we hear other businesses have done in order to retain the few good people, few waiters, cooks, and uh, other folks that they definitely need to stay open. From the absolutely. Darden I mean, perspective, think, you know, I think. Yeah, from a darn perspective, I mean, and from restaurants in general. I'm going to talk yeah. more from a restaurant because I also talk with a lot of restaurants now and some of the, the work that I do right now. But, um, you know, there, it, it's, it's hiring and it's retaining. And from a hiring standpoint, you know, people are making sure that or restaurants are making sure that they have competitive pay. Okay, and pay has gone up from a wage standpoint. Um, and so competitive pay, competitive weight, uh, benefits, um, providing incentives to employees. Current employees to bring in, you know, family members, uh, friends to work. That's I've seen increase a lot, um, and just trying to uh, turn around applications a lot quicker. You know, when someone applies, you know, getting back to that person on that day, not waiting a couple of days. Those are things from a hiring standpoint that people are doing yeah. um, uh, that I, I think are having an impact. I was reading and retention a... is yeah retention is just a whole other thing. I was reading a, a story yesterday on how some companies are pulling the help wanted sign, removing, just by attrition, just removing some of the openings that are available now. It's now happening. And some other businesses are looking yes. ahead to cutting uh, some of the uh, staff that, that they have already. Uh, the When you mentioned pay and benefits over at Darden, uh, uh, you know, some companies, for example, they can pull signing bonuses, but lowering the per hour rate and the benefits, that's sticky. That stuff is here. That extra expense by all these restaurants, that's here to stay. And that's eventually going to play into what the price of menu items and maybe even you know what's paid back to shareholders uh, down the line. So that, that's the new reality for restaurants, I think. 
You know, I, I think you're right there. Uh, and I've been removed from Darden for a couple of years, but you know, Darden does pay its team members well. And, uh, you know, the, like you said, uh, wages have inflated, you know, over the last couple of years. So has food costs. One of the things that Darden does really well is it leverages its scale across all its restaurants to try to reduce costs elsewhere. Okay. To try to not pass that on to the consumer. Um, but, you know, we've seen prices go up, you know, across the board in terms of restaurants, in terms of grocery stores, you know, uh, and so, um, that's a reality, but I think Darden does a really nice job of offsetting a lot of that inflation or a big piece of that inflation with the efficiencies elsewhere. John, it's a pleasure. Thank you for your time. With He used to be one of the leaders over at Darden Restaurants. That's Olive Garden, Longhorn, Yardhouse, Cheddar. That's John Fadul. This is The Sergio Show. your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Are naps actually good for you? Let's see what a sleep expert has to say, a brain expert as well. CEO of Brain Tap. I welcome to the program Nick Saldastani. Nick, it's a pleasure. Tell me about Brain Tap. What is it that you do for a living, brother? What is that? Good morning. Uh, well, you know, we talk about naps. We're all about energizing the brain. We want to get the most out of every day, we want to think better want to sleep better, we want to perform better. And brain taps all about basically balancing the brain, putting it into a high brain fitness state. And that comes from getting a great night's sleep. It comes from getting a great power nap. And so we're an app. You can get off the app store on our website at braintap.com. But we're all about giving you that power nap in that 10 to 20 minutes so you feel really engaged and uh, live life to its fullest. What happens inside the body, Nick? What do you know? What happens inside the body when you shut down for 15, 20 minutes and you get, as you said, that power nap? What's going on, on the inside? What, what is it that you're burning so that when you wake up, you're, you get a second uh, burst of energy? Yeah, excellent. Uh, well, there's this concept of brain plasticity. Think of it like brain strength. Scientifically, it's known as neural plasticity, and it's the strengthening of the brain. So when your brain is strong, what's really neat about it is that it actually allows us to think without all that blurriness, that brain fog and so forth. In fact, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I wake up at three in the morning and I'm go- I have a busy day the next day and I'm going, well, my gosh, how am I going to get through that day? It- it- there's so much is going on. And then I go back to sleep and I wake up at seven and I go, why was I so worried? Well, that's a great example of how brain plasticity, the strengthening of our brain is so important and that getting us into that balanced state. So sleep is one of the best ways to engage the brain. It's a very passive exercise, but it's basically a way to really make the brain very fit. That's why so many people seek great sleep. And so 
you know, they say a third of people take naps. I, I'd say it's more like most of us. I, I don't know about you, but I do like the snooze button. That's, <laughs> if you think of it, it's almost like a power nap by itself. Uh, and it's all about making sure we're, we're really fully engaged. And that's what, you know, a nap's all about. That's what great sleep's all about. And, you know, brain tap is all about strengthening that. Just like you go to the gym to strengthen your muscles, you use brain taps app to strengthen your brain. Nick Saldestani is the CEO of BrainTap, and his focus, his passion is brain health. Naps, well, I'm a big fan, and I know Nick, I hear Nick is a big fan as well, but let me throw something else at you, Nick. Um, they yep. ha Naps have been linked with several health issues for adults, high blood pressure and stroke. There was a study of three, almost 360,000 people. It was in hypertension, the journal Hypertension, found that uh, participants who usually napped during the day, 12% more likely to develop high blood pressure, 24% more likely to have a stroke compared to people who don't nap. If the person was under 60, napping on most days raise the risk of developing high blood pressure by 20%. What do you make of that study in, in hypertension, Nick? Well, you know, you said tension and stress, and, and what we don't want to do is we don't want to put the body into more stress than it's already going through, right? We've got a stressful life as it stands. So, you know, it's all about how do we come out of our sleep? How do we come out of the nap? And so if you're coming out of a nap, let's say you're taking a 30-minute nap in the afternoon and you're coming out of that and you're feeling groggy, you're feeling really discombobulated, mm. that's probably that you're stressing your brain out further. You're stressing your body out further. But if you wake up out of that nap and you're feeling really engaged, well, then you've had a really good nap and that works extremely well. And so I think that this study does a great job of showcasing the state in which we come out of those naps, which is very important. And so I recommend couple things. One is notice how you come out of a nap. Are you feeling revived or not? Uh, definitely drink a glass of water. I recommend it in the morning. I recommend it after a nap because okay. we actually, through sleep, will actually dehydrate the brain. All right. That's that's uh, that's really good advice. I'll, I'll start doing that. You know, when I do take a nap, um, I obey my body. If I'm driving and I feel it coming on, Mr. Sandman, he's just dragging me down. I will pull into a parking lot, Walmart or H-E Butt around here, H-E-B, and I'll lean yep. my seat back, uh, lower the window in, in my truck. Leave it on, though, with my A.C. because it's just too darn hot. But I'm always afraid of carbon monoxide, boys, <laughs> especially in an old truck of mine. So I lower the windows, leave the A.C. on, trying to keep me cool. Ten minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Thing is, I don't remember sleeping, except I look at the clock. Let's say it's 10.01, and, or in the case would be 1.01 in the afternoon, and then I open up my eyes, it's 1.10 or 1.11, and I feel better. But I didn't, it's almost like I didn't, um, it's like somebody anesthetized me, right? And I, and I woke up. Yep. It's like, oh, really? Really? My tooth's out? It's like, uh, I didn't even know. What is that? Does that, is that strange? Is that normal to fall asleep, no, no, not even realizing? That's normal. That, okay. that is excellent, excellent nap. Uh, you know, it's. In, in fact, what you just expressed is kind of how people feel when they actually use a brain tap session. Uh, it, it's that you're sort of just time disappears, you're out of it, and you're yeah. feeling really great at the end. In fact, yeah, I do. You know, sometimes we you know think about how long should a nap be. I always say if a nap goes longer than 20 minutes, you're probably getting into that really deep 
delta state, which you don't want in, during the day. Okay. You, you want to really be revived. So what you're doing is ideal, Sergio. All right. That is, that's, that's the type of nap we want. Where do folks find you online, Nick? Where are you? You go to braintap.com, and it will give you a chance to download a free trial. You can use it for you know a short period of time and try it out for yourselves. You just put a pair of headphones on, lie down, take that power nap, and as you finish that, we're going to bring you into that very revived, balanced brain state, extremely effective. Think of it almost, you know, like we use meditative technologies. We also use sound, uh, uh, um, sound therapy and uh, positive affirmation technology. So we're doing more than just a meditative app, but it's kind of like that same thing. Just really right. chill out for about 15 minutes and you're going to feel very revived just like you would with a really awesome nap like you just mentioned. Braintap.com. Thank you, Nick. Nick Saldastani is our guest. This is the Sergio Show. The language police, they're still out there at major universities nationwide. Founder and president of United States Parents Involved in Education, Sherry Few. It's a pleasure, Sherry. So what comes to mind? What do you see in the headlines as we start a new semester and making sure that some of these administrators making sure that students and staff use the right pronouns. What's going on, Sherry? Well, it's it's a part of our cancel culture, our very woke culture. And, you know, this has been going on in universities and colleges for some time. But, you know, the, the basis of it is the fact that they've canceled men. Men have been literally canceled in this country. We're not allowed to use any term that has the word man in, involved. And, you know, the one, I know you got the same list I did of words like freshman, man-made, manhole. <laughs> All these words have to be changed. And so the one that I wonder about is woman. You know, woman's got man in it. I, I guess she's canceled, too. So really, fundamentally, that's what it's about. It's about uh, canceling the idea that there are two genders, male and female. They, the term that they like to use is non-binary, meaning that there's lots of different uh, options for genders beyond just male and female. So it's really absurd. It's unfortunate um, that it's now trickling down into K-12 education. I, I saw it in the state where I live in South Carolina, which is a very conservative state, and yet our teachers are being told that they can no longer refer to their students as boys and girls, that they must call them children. So it's happening everywhere, this woke agenda, this cancel culture. And you know, it's white heterosexual men even christians that are that are absolutely canceled and the emphasis has been placed on them as being oppressive and and they say that gender is a social construct something that european white men invented instead of it being a reality this re-education this indoctrination do you see it ending anytime in the near future do are there enough parents rising up where they're pushing back, at least at the, their local school district level. They they can't do anything about the university level and all these tenured fools that have way too much time on their hand to rethink and, and restructure society. Uh, but at, at least at the public school side, do you have hope that maybe enough parents are waking up saying, no, uh-uh, you keep that crap over there. Uh, we need to keep going and make sure that uh, we call balls and strikes at the local level. It's boys and girls. Well, there is hope because we've seen it. We've seen it all over the country. Parents are speaking out at school board meetings, despite the fact that the federal government wants to label them domestic terrorists. 
they're still standing up and speaking out. And, you know, enrollment in government schools has dropped dramatically this year. Parents are also using their feet to exercise their opinion. And, and so they're taking their kids from the government schools. They're homeschooling. Homeschooling has doubled uh, during the COVID period. So, you know, what could happen eventually is we could shut down the government schools for a lack of student participation. I mean, I, I see a lot of hope on the horizon. I've been involved with education policy for 20 years. And, you know, it's been very difficult to get parents involved. But they are engaged now, and they're making a difference. They're even running for local school boards. Yeah, as we so saw in Pennsylvania. One of the things that our organization yeah. did yeah. Is to educate parents is we've released a new documentary titled Truth and Lies in American Education. And your listeners can see the film at truthandliesfilm.us. It's a, a really all-star cast um, where we expose the sexualization of children, the anti-American propaganda, and, you know, the critical Marxist theories that are being taught. This is K-12. People need to see this film so they can educate themselves and get involved. Because even if you don't have kids in public school, you need to be concerned because the end goal with this agenda is to change our form of government. America's freedom is on the line. Speaking as a former school board member, I, I volunteered at the local idea charter system for about nine years. I noticed that on the governance side of it, as school boards are that are, for example, in, in, in other cases elected, I wasn't elected, the, the charter systems they appoint. But usually it's money issues that are primary at the school board. The whole curriculum thing, that gets reported back to the school board uh, just as, you know, just a, a side mention, but on the front lines of decision-making on curriculum and books and um, you know, theories, uh, CRT-based things and, and all the books that are assigned, uh, the school board doesn't have much to say. They, they only get reported on, but it's important to have uh, conservatives there on the seats to monitor this and have a say and maybe bring those academic decision-making administrators up to the board and, and talk about what will be funded, what won't be funded in order to push back against all this. Now, with your website and your organization, do you provide, do you provide information on running for school board and, and other ways to address this, how to start? Because, you know, people work for a living, but at the same time they get taxed no matter what they do. Uh, to fund local schools, they'd like to get involved, and it's um, it's another job. It's another full-time effort. Do, do you provide information on, on where parents can start if they want to get involved in school board? Yes, absolutely. They can go to our website. It's USPIE, that's USPIE.org. And there, under uh, downloadable resources, we have some great resources for, for parents and citizens, uh, how to navigate your school board, uh, information about how to run for school board it's all there and there's also contact information we have 20 state chapters around the country and so you can look to see if there's a chapter in your state where you can get connected with like-minded people to fight this and if there's not a chapter in your state we'd love for you to reach out to us and help us start a chapter because we, we need a strong grassroots army across the country to fight this nonsense I'm looking online to see if I find a chapter real quick. I'm going to have to go through it a little further. All right. Um, Sherry, it's a pleasure. Thank you for providing us the resource. It's um, U.S. Pie, like delicious pie. 
USPIE.org. Look for the website. Thank you, Sherry, founder of President of United States Parents Involved in Education. This is The Sergio Show. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an active shooter, multiple gunshots. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. News from the academic world, just jaw-dropping, amazing. Portland State University introducing a new required course category. A new course called Race and Ethnic Studies requirement. These courses that are necessary for you to graduate if you choose to go to Portland State University. Unbelievable encroachment of these Orwellian-style conditioning, thought policing. It all starts in academia. Let me bring back Professor Jonathan Farley. Professor Farley, he graduated from Harvard. He was um, once a visiting professor of math over at Caltech and teaches at a historically black college. Professor Farley, welcome back. What do you make of this new move by Portland? Or is it relegated to just the crazy lefties in Portland? This is not a danger to the rest of the country, is it? But eventually it'll metastasize. The problem with it is it's 50 years too late. And another problem is that it's a Trojan horse. I don't believe that they're going to do what they say they're doing. Uh, It's really just going to be a way to talk about feminism, and to talk about the alphabet soup ideologies. Uh, they use terms in some of their courses like Latinx and Chicanx, <laughs> which uh, nobody who's Latino actually uses. Yes, So <laughs> they're not really representing the people, even though they would claim they are representing them. In fact, it's a form of intellectual imperialism where they're seeking to impose their views on the rest of the world. But it's a requirement for graduation. Have they imposed this already, or is it just an idea that they want to make this a requirement before they graduate from college with their sheepskin? No, beginning in, in fall, right now, this semester, uh, students will have to take these courses. Wow. Uh, actually, they'll have to take two courses, one of them dealing with the United States ostensibly, one dealing with the rest of the world. But colonialism ended 50 years ago, so it's 50 years too late. And as I said, I don't believe that they're going to teach what they say they're going to teach. How is this? Now, there could be some positive aspects of it if they were teaching it correctly. Mm-hmm. For example, in the 1960s, the FBI committed a lot of abuses against American citizens. And uh, how times have changed, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's just changed the names. Yeah, uh, that's worth addressing, absolutely. But how does this bleed, this mindset, how does this bleed into public school curriculum, do you see, Dr. Farley? Well, what they're going to do is they're going to try to put this in high school curricula, and then they'll move it down further and further to the stage where the students actually don't really have the ability to understand it if they're, if they're small children. Uh, right now, it's at the college level, but they're going to talk about issues that have nothing to do with race. In fact, the liberals in America do this a lot. 
they know that Americans have a problem with the past legacy of racism, and so they slip in talk about feminism, they slip in talk about the alphabet groups uh, under the guise of saying they're talking about racism when they're doing anything but that. In fact, if you're to go to African countries, they don't want to have anything to do with the alphabet groups. So uh, they're not actually representing African countries. They're not representing Asian countries. They're imposing their own ideology on the people from those places. It's a form of intellectual imperialism by the people at Portland. I'll tell you what, this is definitely not representative of the Hispanic, Latino, uh, Mexican-American, Latin American mindset either. This changing up the O to A at the end of a word to a more gender-neutral X, that is beyond insulting. You will not believe the pushback. Well, actually, you would believe the pushback from Mexico City and other places that find some of these American academics, these tenured professors, have way the hell too much time on their hands just reinventing society. It's laughable. It's insulting to them how they're trying to remake uh, Latin culture into a more neutral gender uh, culture. Well, like the, like the purple hair, it's a good warning signal. As soon as you see someone use the term Latinx, you know that they have nothing to do with Latinos. And they don't represent Latinos in any way at all. Only 2% of Latinos uh, even use that term. Well, it starts in Portland. Portland State University, I'm saying that this requirement, they say, quote, ensure students are equipped with an understanding of how historically rooted and ongoing racism affects institutions in Oregon, the U.S., and the world where racism and race issues seem to be the center point and everything moves out from that center point. Man, I can't imagine a more backward way of thinking where if we truly wish to achieve Martin Luther King's dream of equality and personal independence and personal responsibility and everybody looking at each other equally, this is, you know, we're far from that. How the hell did this get started, Professor? Well, it's actually going to generate racism because students will feel forced and compelled to do it. And that's never the way to do it. My mother actually used to teach, she used to be the chair of an African and Afro-American studies department at her university. And she had mostly white students, but they weren't forced to take the class. And so they got a, a good education. And it also wasn't indoctrination. It was factual information. And that's the problem with what Portland State is going to do. So the way it got started is that they knew that Americans had this, this soft spot for, for racism because of the legacy of slavery and segregation. And so they tried to slip in their own ideas in there, just like a Trojan horse. And that is what actually what makes it completely illegitimate. That and the fact that it's about 50 years too late. The era of colonialism ended 50 years ago. There are some places like Hong Kong that hung on, but I can assure you, every resident of Hong Kong today wishes they were still under the control of Great Britain. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, what does your gut tell you, Doc? Professor Jonathan Farley, my guest right now, what does your gut tell you? Is this just a pathetic echo from uh, the racism, from the slavery, from the Civil War fights and just a generation plus ago, uh, and this will eventually fade away, or do you think this sticks and forever changes our country and our mindset and you know moves us backwards? Actually, I don't even think it has anything to do with the Civil War. These are people using the Civil War, exploiting it, exploiting the legacy of racism in order to infect the minds of young people with their own ideology, which actually most African Americans and which virtually every African would reject. Dr. Farley, it's good to talk to you again. You be safe, brother. Where do folks find you, Professor, if they want to look you up? 
They can look me up at latticetheory.net. L-A-T-T-I-C-E, and then theory like theory of relativity, dot N-E-T. This is The Sergio Show.